This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, this show might be a little bit of a bumpy ride. We'll see how it goes. Um, I didn't do a show last week, and I will discuss the reasons for not doing that show, the main reason for not doing a show last week, uh, in the last segment of this show. Okay, something to look forward to. Uh, a couple shows back, I was talking about the principle of charity. I started off th- uh, talking about how uh, I had uh, I had acted poorly uh, on Facebook. I had become the asshole because uh, I had been cut off in a uh, uh, drive-up lane at McDonald's. You recall, you know, there was a woman that uh, did not follow the rules of the parking lot, did not follow the rules of getting into the drive-up lane and going around the perimeter of the parking lot, not through the parking lot to get to the drive-up lanes. Well, she went straight through while I'm going around, and she got off in front of me. She ordered something. She got in line. The line was taking just a little too long to get to the window to pay, and she pulled out and took off. And I thought, oh, that's just precious of you. She had, uh, um, I found out from the uh, the uh, person where I was paying at the McDonald's, she said, oh, yeah, she's the one that ordered this, you know, she made a special order. Which was something that had, you know, she ordered a couple cheeseburgers with no pickle, no ketchup. So they had to make that specially. So I thought, oh, that's even better. And I got kind of, you know, riled up. You know, I'm not easily offended, but I am easily annoyed. (laughs) So uh, I got back to the office and I said, this woman. And I did the thing and I doxed her. I put her license number, license plate number on, on my Facebook page, which was a personalized plate thing. We had a little fun with that, and then a friend reminded me, Hey, dude, principle of charity, remember? And I went, Oh, right. And I started thinking about it, and I thought, Oh, I'm being the asshole. Because I don't know what was going on in her life. I don't know you know, if she didn't get an emergency call at that moment. She had to take off. So, and I thought, Wow, geez, and I put her license plate on my face. Oh, let's, let's take it down before anybody shares it. Or, you know, I don't, it, it didn't, I didn't get the impression from the people who were commenting that they would be... I'm going to see if I can find out who that person is and firebomb their house. No, so so I took it down. I felt And I felt pretty badly about it and tried to learn the lesson from it to not do something like that again. Okay. But in that same show, got toward the end of it, you know, in the last segment, I think it was, uh, and I railed against the hated Yankees. Well, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, they're the hated Yankees. That's the name of the team. Come on. 
but I also was not pleased with the Boston Red Sox. There was a game that got uh, got canceled or postponed because nine of the Yankees players tested positive for COVID. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. What the hell? Why aren't they vaccinated? You are athletes. You're professional athletes. Part of your job is to be prepared to play, to be physically fit, to do the things you need to do to stay in shape. And part of that is getting the vaccine. Right? So I was all upset with them. And the principle of charity wasn't really being applied by me as far as that goes. But who would do that for the Yankees? Right? I mean, they hated Yankees. Sorry, i got to get their name right. And then the Boston Red Sox, it turns out that uh, their manager had said that, well, half uh, or some of his players were vaccinated and some weren't. And I said, what the hell? Why not? Why, are they, why isn't it 100% compliance with getting vaccinated? Oh, sure, there might be some that aren't. You know, allergic to the vaccine or something like that. They, they can't. They can't get the vaccine. But why wouldn't you do it, right? Right. So, and even though uh, physical specimenship in in baseball can be a little well, it can have a range. You can be a pitcher, have yourself a little bit of a beer belly, but if you can throw a ninety-nine mile an hour fastball and a wicked curve, well, you know. And there's always been stories, uh, you know, that when I hear about the Twins, there's been players through the years where uh, they'll show up a little heavy at training camp. They'll, they'll show up for spring training and they'll be a little heavy. Uh, they, they let themselves go in the offseason. They enjoyed life during that. And they come back and they try to get in shape. And, and, it, and it is somewhat to the detriment of that player. Uh, and they should stay in fit and, and, and come down. You know, it's, 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 it's good to see a player when they show up for spring training and they're pretty, in pretty good shape already. And historically, you didn't always have to be a perfect specimen of physical perfection. Language is such a wonderful thing. I mean, let's look at Babe Ruth. I, when he was younger, I guess he was in pretty good shape and all that. But, you know, he kind of, through his career, even when he was really hitting out the home runs and all that, he wasn't what you would consider, you know, an Adonis. Now, Lou Gehrig, uh, Babe Ruth's teammate for quite a while, Lou Gehrig was a guy that was in shape. I mean, this was a guy that, you know, was a physical specimen of perfectitude. Uh, perfectitude. He, he, you know, he He was. Uh, you know, and then he ended up getting a disease that was named after him. He shows up, and the doctor says, uh, "Lou, you got Lou Gehrig's disease." He says, "What? I got what? It's named for it's. I got. I'm named Lou Gehrig." He says, "Yeah, it's, it's coincidence, isn't it?" No, no, I know it's a bad joke. Um, so that I know that's true, but you gotta be in shape, and and it seems to me the vaccine would be a given. Yeah. You know, what did we go through last season? The players should be saying, so we had that shortened season. We played 60 games. We didn't have any fans in the stands. We, we had to wear masks while we were on the, on, the, on the bench. We had to do all that stuff. And, and it just didn't, you know, we had to avoid people. And if we tested positive, we couldn't play. And we, it just, you know, it would think, you would think they would say to themselves, ha, there's a vaccine. And boy, it sure seems like it's working. And, and get it. It's, it's, and you would think that the league would say, yeah, guys, if you want to play, you got to get the jab. you got to get it. The NFL, 
the National Football League, for those people who only speak sports ball, the National Football League is being pretty tough on this. Uh, they're saying things like, um, I guess a memo went out that uh, said that any team that has an outbreak among unvaccinated players, an outbreak of, of, of COVID, among unvaccinated players, and that game is unable to be rescheduled, that game will be forfeited. The team that has the unvaccinated players testing positive for COVID will forfeit the game. And every player on that team will lose their pay for that game. And that's the NFL putting pressure on their players. You will get the vaccine. They're not mandating it, but they're saying, here's the consequences if you don't. So they're leaving the door open for the breakthrough cases where the players did get vaccinated, but yet, you know, the vaccines aren't 100%. So there's, you're going to have some breakthrough cases. You're going to have that happen. Uh, chances are pretty good, though, a breakthrough case of COVID once vaccinated. Uh, that person, you know, won't suffer the, the, the hospitalization and the death that's, that the unvaccinated are getting. Not at that rate. It's like it, let's it, we if we use the the uh, more conservative number, like ninety seven percent of the cases right now in the country of of COVID are unvaccinated people. That means three percent have been vaccinated. They're breakthrough cases, but they're saying that it's a, it's like ninety nine point seven percent of the hospitalizations are the unvaccinated, and ninety nine point nine percent of the deaths are the unvaccinated. So. When I was giving some uh, reluctant uh, praise or welcome aboard to some of the right-wing commentators on, on Fox News and and the uh, and one Republican governor down there in Florida that uh, that Ron DeSantis, giving him a little credit for saying, "Hey, you know, if you're vaccinated, the chances of you going to the hospital or dying are pretty much zero. He did say that, but then he doesn't want kids to wear masks at school. And he doesn't, he's, so I have to pull back all that, that, you know, he did say the right thing there, you know, giving the hint to people, you maybe should get vaccinated, but then he's doing all the stuff he can to make sure that his state stays ahead of everybody else. Because right now, 20% of all the cases of COVID in the country are in Florida. That's one out of every five COVID cases is in Florida. You know, the Delta variant is just going crazy down there, and it's heating up the country. Now, Minnesota isn't quite red yet, but we're getting orange, and it's just going to be another week or two before we're in the red with the Delta variant, too. It's just going to happen. This is just is, because there's too many people who didn't get vaccinated. I just saw a headline saying that the as far as the country is going, we finally reached 50%. We were hoping to get to 70% by 4th of July. That didn't happen. So, I didn't practice the principle of charity with the hated Yankees and the Boston Red Sox and those players that got COVID because I assumed they hadn't been vaccinated. Well, then a few days later, the Philadelphia Phillies, there's another team, had something like nine players test positive with COVID. I think it was nine. And I thought, what the hell? Again, I was just, what is going on? But then I learned something else that some of the players that have gotten tested positive for COVID were in fact vaccinated. So I thought, oh, okay, 
Huh. I should leave room. I should leave room for the possibility that they've done the right stuff, but they still got COVID. Their cases are probably pretty mild, and these guys, most of them, are in good shape, and they'll probably get through the COVID okay because, you know, maybe, I don't know. But younger people are dying, or at least getting hospitalized. It is happening. There are, the cases are happening, uh, and it's skewing younger, and the Delta variant is so much hot, much more contagious that it, it's, it's, you know, it's getting to the younger folks. And, you know, and the younger folks may be lagging behind in getting the vaccine. And we're still, the cutoff is still 12. The younger than 12 are not getting the shot. And let's, let's talk the herd immunity thing. We need to get as many possible uh, uh, people that are able to get the shot to get the shot. Because the more people you have that, that have that shot, the kids that are under 12 that can't get the vaccine yet, they're protected because so many people around them have it. There's so much less opportunity for the virus to jump around because so many people have it. And then you've got the, you know, the people, the dunderheads that just aren't going to get vaccinated no matter what. We're protecting them too. And then you got the people that are vaccine hesitant. I'm going to get into that a little bit uh, in a bit. Uh, we protect them too. And then we protect the people who've been vaccinated because no vaccine is 100%. So the more people that have the vaccine, the more successful it will be in, in keeping the virus from spreading and keeping it. And if it keeps from spreading, there's less opportunity to mutate and there's less of a chance that it'll go from a Delta variant into some other variant that breaks through even more of the, of the vaccine the, uh, the people have gotten it that breaks through with them even more because it becomes uh, resistant to the vaccine. This is what we worry about. Uh, where am I at? Uh, so I want to give some praise to one particular player. Uh, he plays for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, I wonder what he's thinking at this point when he's got teammates with the COVID. Now he might be saying, okay, you got vaccinated, you got the COVID. Well, all right, you did, you know, you did what you were supposed to do. But if there are players that didn't get vaccinated, he's looking at them saying, what the hell guys? Now there's a reason why. During the, the uh, pandemic season, the 2020 season last year, when it was shortened to 60 games, no fans, players, uh, coaching staff, managers, umpires, all had to be masked up. The players could take the masks off when they were playing on the field, but when they're in the dugout, they had to put the masks on. And let me tell you, so much frustrated watching of baseball <laughs> in that season. So many masks hanging from the ear, hanging with their with their nose hanging out, with their nose and mouth out, taking their mask down to talk. It's, you no, know, wear the mask. I would get to the point where you know, I'd look at the manager standing there and he's talking to somebody next to him. He pulls the mask down so he can talk to him. Or he's got his nose hanging out the whole damn time. And I'm just saying, look, either wear the mask or don't. Stop, you know, stop what you're doing because what you're doing is effectively not wearing a mask. You just have it hanging under your chin. It's just, why not just put it over the top of your head or around your elbow or something? Because it's giving you just as much protection and it's protecting the other people as much and in fact, 
one thing that we've been saying all along, that the masks aren't necessarily to protect the people wearing the masks, it's to protect other people around you, because you might have the virus, and the mask helps keep the virus from getting out of you, away from you, and to somebody else. It doesn't necessarily keep you from breathing in somebody else's bad stuff. That's why they want to keep a distance. Everybody wears a mask. It, it brings it down. doesn't make it zero. It brings things down. It does give you some protection when you wear, wear the mask. It can, it'll cut down the load of virus that you're exposed to, and that can lessen the severity of the, uh, of the illness if you get it. Okay, but, but Didi Gregorius, Gregorius, sorry, Didi Gregorius continued to play in that shortened season. Players had the option to opt out and still get paid. Uh, but he decided he wanted to play, uh, and he masked up, right? According to the rules, he masked up and everything, but he masked up really well, and there's a reason why he masked up really well. He has a chronic disease, uh, chronic kidney disease, and he's just going to have it all his life. And he consults with his doctor, and what should I do? And he says, well, you really should be masked and keep your distance, wash your hands and do that kind of stuff. Do it, you know, do that. And you should be able to play, and you might be okay. You know, be careful, and encourage those players around you to wear their masks. I'm sure he was told that. And so he wore it well, and not just while he was sitting on the bench. He wore the mask when he was playing his position, which I believe is shortstop. He wore his mask when he was at the plate, trying to get a hit. And if he got a hit, and he or got a walk, and he got on base. He wore the mask there. He wore the mask through the entire game. And he wore it well. It covered his mouth and his nose. Your mouth and your nose are connected to your lungs. You're, they're part of your respiratory system. That's where the virus hangs out. And that's where it gets out of you when you breathe, when you talk, when you cough, when you sneeze, when you yawn, when you laugh, when you yell at the ump. You know, and when you pull that mask down, you're just letting it all out. So he just kept it on. He had a nice mask, as far as I could tell, and he wore it well. I mean, so kudos to Didi Gregorius. Now, I just saw a game with the Philadelphia uh, uh, Phillies playing the Washington Nationals, and Didi wasn't masked up. I'm assuming he's vaxxed, and he's feeling pretty confident that he can go maskless now. With the Delta thing coming, I'll tell you, boys and girls, I'm wearing a mask again. When I'm going to the store, I'm going to say, I'm not waiting for the mandates to come back. Oh, they're coming back. They are. If we can't get people, if we can't, you know, we're trying to get to herd immunity. And we've got this this 190-pound anchor to, chained to our ankle as we're trying to get there. And that's the that's the people that are are hesitant and resistant. I'll talk more about them when I come back from this break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm going to break. These breaks are going to be special. Just listen to the entire thing. Don't skip through it. Listen to the entire thing. Can you do that for me? That's cool. I'll be back after this break. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network.
You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Wasn't that a special break? There'll be a second break, 
they'll be just as special. I'll tell you why in a bit. So as I, I, I said I was going to talk about um, you know, the vaccine resistant. Uh, I stirred up a bit of a hornet's nest on the uh, on the Facebook this, uh, recently, over the past I don't know week week and a half something like that, and um, I knew I was being provocative in making the statement that I made, but uh, um, it was reflecting something. Let me talk about that. I posted uh, the statement. Do you prefer to spell it anti-vaxer with one X? or anti-vaxxer with two X's, or fucking selfish, self-centered asshole. And I put that on Facebook. I knew that would be provocative. I knew that would get some reactions from the people that aren't so sure or uh, won't get the vaccine. So let's... We've been hearing the, the term vaccine-hesitant a lot. We've heard that, and and it's and the and it's the term that it comes from vaccine hesitancy. We've been hearing both of those a lot since the vaccine started to be rolled out, and now more recently we're hearing it more often. I look at that phrase. Uh, you know, you know me. I'm a pedant, and I have certain grammar things that I get hung up on. I look at the term vaccine hesitancy, and I I look at that as being uh, it, it's saying that somebody who's vaccine hesitant, given the right encouragement, given the right information, given the, 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 the positive reinforcement to get the vaccine, if, if, give it, you know, if, they're, if the concerns they have are uh, properly and, and well uh, addressed, for them, they, the hesitancy will go away. They will get the vaccine. Uh, they they have reasons for being hesitant. Uh, there's I, I, there was an article in the Atlantic that was talking about you know let's not be so rough on the vaccine hesitant. Let's not be so rough on them because some might have some legitimate reasons to be hesitant. Uh, one of the groups of Americans that they brought up was African Americans, minority communities, especially the African American community in this, in the United States. They uh, you know black folks in the United States throughout the history of this country have not exactly been treated the, it, with the best uh, 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 intentions and practices by the medical profession. Uh, there, there, so there's a, there's a certain mistrust that's been built up in, within the black community in this, in this country. They, just, they look at the history and they're not so sure. So they're hesitant. And, when he, and being hesitant means they're not so sure. They're not sure yet. But they could get there with the right approach and information and all that. So there's, you know, they're being hesitant. There are some people that are looking at it and thinking, you know, this vaccine came to the market really fast. You know, it got there really quick, uh, and I don't know. You know, uh, I've there's a there's a married couple, or not? They're not married. They're they're engaged, but they they have kids already. But they were going to get married. And uh, they're both about 40, the husband and wife, and they got like five kids, I think it is. And, and, they, and they, they were looking, they weren't necessarily anti-vax, they just, 
I think the, their thinking was this vaccine seems to be coming out really quick. What's the long-term effects going to be? Let's wait a year before we get the shot. Let's wait a year. Well, during that year that they waited, the husband got COVID and he died. Shut up, Kitty. Damn cat's got to come make her two cents worth in the show. Right, Kitty? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, and it's good timing too, Kitty. I just I was just telling people that the guy died because he didn't get the shot. And he said words to the effect, and one of the last things he said to his wife was, I should have just gotten the damn shot. So she feels pretty bad about it, and this is, well, okay. And I don't take any uh, uh, pleasure in that. They were hesitant. I don't take any pleasure, well, I think if, if Tucker Carlson, the man with the most punchable voice in America, if he got it, and di- well, let's say I wouldn't be shedding a tear. Anyway, so there's the hesitant people, and there are reasons, I guess, to be hesitant. I was not. I was on board from the moment it happened. I was counting the days. They said, they said, twelve months, twelve to eighteen months before a vaccine could be ready. Is it twelve to eighteen months yet? I mean, it's just, when, when, when do we start counting? <laughs> you know. And of course, in science, you, you can't have an exact date. And this is some of the things that the other people who were hesitant were hesitant because of, because it seemed as though the CDC kept changing its mind, it kept flip-flopping, or it kept, you know, and, and other health experts seemed to be, you know, changing what they were saying. The message didn't seem consistent. But that is, that is somewhat the nature of science. And it's also the nature of science reporting. Right, Kitty? Right. So, I'm sorry. Um, it's, it's, it's not as though the scientific process in is uh, you have a list of uh, a checklist and you just as you check off each box that box just remains checked and you don't go back and it doesn't it doesn't change that's not the way it goes new evidence comes out that says oh wait a minute what we what we thought was right here we, it turns out isn't quite right it need, we need to adjust it we need to make some changes it's not flip flopping it's it's going where the evidence leads. The, and, 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 and a conclusion is never completely locked in in science. It can be really, really, really strongly supported. But it's never locked in because there's always the possibility of new evidence, new information that does a better job of explaining all the stuff that the old evidence had explained, but it does, you know, and, 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 it, and it takes it even farther. Or, or takes the process even further so that it works better. So at first, when Fauci was saying, hey, lay off the masks, part of the reason why they were saying lay off the masks was because they didn't want to run on all the PPE, all the protective equipment that these the healthcare workers needed. They didn't want to run on that. That's part of the reason. And another part of the reason was they weren't sure that a mask, you know, for regular everyday people was going to really make a difference. And then they learned that a mask could make a difference. And then they said, yeah, you know what? Wear a mask. And a simple cloth mask, a, a double layer mask could work. A triple layer mask could work better. But, you know, wear, wear a mask. Wear a mask when you're in situations where you can't, where you can't distance yourself. But because not enough people would do it, it had to be mandated. 
and those people that made it to be mandated, the ones that were so upset about it being mandated, the, those people aren't the vaccine hesitant. They're the vaccine resistant. There was always going to be an element of the anti-vax ever since vaccination started with smallpox, ever since the very first uh, uh, science was done and trying to figure out how to combat and end smallpox, and whatever vaccine came out from that, and the vaccines that come out for other diseases since then, there has always been an element that says, no, we shouldn't do it. I guess there was some host on a Newsmax show that just recently said something about, you know, maybe this is nature's way of culling the herd. You know, we're going against nature, he said, as he had well-coiffed hair, a shaved face, probably contact lens, and he's wearing a suit in an air-conditioned environment. How, 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 how against nature are you going right now? Okay, maybe he doesn't need glasses. Maybe he doesn't need corrective lenses, and he doesn't have uh, uh, contact lenses in. But nature intended you to have long hair and a beard and intended you to be naked. Well, you're going against all that. So, <clears throat> so the resistancy, the vaccine resistancy, those are the people that say, you know, that say, no way, never, never, uh-uh. They're not going to get the vaccine, no matter what. And part of that, that, those folks, they do the double down thing. The more information you give them, the, the stronger they hold on to their anti-position. I'm not going to come out of it. And so they're really difficult to budge. The vaccine hesitancy, there's another thing of vaccine hesitancy. I have a friend, uh, as a classmate of mine, got into that little conversation that developed with my statement about how do you spell vaccine, you know, anti-vaxxer. He got into stuff, and he was talking about you know the politicization of it. He was talking about you know it doesn't. It, he was telling us you know it doesn't help when you berate and belittle and you badger people about getting the vaccine. But you and I tried to explain to him, and and we talked privately too. It's explained to him you know it, the, the the vaccinated are getting frustrated with the unvaccinated. We are seeing the mass mandates coming back. We are looking down the road and saying, we're going to go back to that. We're going to go back to kids going home to learn at home, we're, you know, to do distance learning. We're seeing close downs, uh, closing down of restaurants and, and bars and, and movie theaters and such. We're seeing that happen again. And it doesn't have to because we have a vaccine. But there's too many people that won't get it. And, you know, and one thing I will say uh, about my, my friend, my high school classmate, uh, he is going to get the vaccine. And, he, and he, you know, he told that to me privately. He told, and he did say it in the, in the chat that we were having. We're going round and round. And he brought up the point about, well, if the vaccine works so well, what are you worried about to the people that are vaccinated? And that's when I said, God damn it. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're not worried about getting infected ourselves, even though that is a concern. It is there. We're not worried about that. We're worried about the mass mandates coming back and the schools going, you know, shutting down again and all this other shuts down stuff. We're worried about that happening and we're worried about people needlessly dying. We're worried about people needlessly going to the hospital. We're worried about the emotional toil that'll take place uh, on their friends and their family and on the healthcare workers around the country. I, I, I know a woman that, that is an OR nurse She's in Florida. She's right in the heart of where the, the, it is now. She is in the, the Italy of the first wave. That's what Florida's become. She, she's there, and she's seeing this stuff happen 
constantly now. People dying every day in her hospital. She's seeing it happening. And she's losing patience even quicker than I am. But it was good to hear that he's going to get the vaccine. Uh, he's got a medical thing that he's dealing with right now, which is kind of putting off when he can get the vaccine. But, you know, once he gets through that little thing, which isn't a little thing, but I'm not going to say what it is, um, once he gets past that, you know, the vaccine's coming. I have a, 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 the sister of the supervisor that works at the company that I work for, the maintenance company that I work for. She dropped by the office to drop off some keys. Uh, it was a week from hell. I'll talk about that at some other point. But um, she dropped off some keys that, uh, that I needed to cover some work that the supervisor couldn't cover that week because, well, he had an accident again. It's, it was a week from hell. And I don't I'll tell, uh, maybe I'll talk about it later, but uh, not this show next week, maybe, I don't know. And she came in and we were talking, she's asking me, how's the family doing, how am I doing, how thing, and it, and it, and it started, st she was like doing the, are you okay, is COVID, you know, COVID questions, are you okay? And I said, yeah, we're all vaccinated, we're okay, how are you doing, are you, are you vaccinated? She's not vaccinated. And I said, why? And I remembered, don't belittle, don't badger, don't, don't do that. Just why? Why aren't you vaccinated? And she said, "Well, I'm a little worried about the side effects. You know, she says I, I, I know the, 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 the side effects probably aren't you know worse than than the, you know the disease. The disease is probably a lot worse. I, I know that it's worse, but you know, I just I got friends telling me I should get it, and I don't know. You know, and I know it's free, and I can just go to Walmart and just get one. And but I don't, I don't know. And I said, well, what it, you know." And what about the side effects? What is it you're worried about? Well, you know, and so I went over the stuff that, that I experienced and what I've heard from other people experiencing it. I said one of the one of the uh, um, theories or hypotheses uh, about uh, people that have a severe reaction to the vaccine is because it may be possible that they had the illness, that they had COVID and they got through it and didn't realize they had it. And so their body had built up some some resistance to it. So when the vaccine comes in, it attacks it even, you know, it, it's it's more ready to attack the vaccine than somebody who hasn't had COVID and getting the first dose. So that reaction might be, you know, more amped up. And I told her, I said, you know, you could, if you, if you work during the week and you have weekends off, you just go in on a Friday. Go in, get your shot on a Friday, give yourself the weekend to recover in case. I had a little bit of fluishness after getting the shot. Mainly it was a sore arm, but in the middle of the night after the first shot, I got a little fluish. Before I went to bed, uh, after the second dose, I felt a little fluish again. But the next morning, I was fine. Just a sore arm for a couple of few days. And I, I said, you know, and I talked about the Johnson & Johnson pause with the blood clots. And yes, one person that I know of, that, that I know of had died because of the blood clotting caused by the Johnson Johnson vaccine. But I said that the CDC looked at it and they changed their way of giving out that vaccine to add in the informed consent that you could, you know, that women ages 18 to 50 could develop blood clots. So they warn those people, they warn them, and they say, you know, and they give them the what to do if you notice these symptoms. So they, they tell them, you know, if you see these, if they're milder symptoms, contact your, 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 your doctor. If they're more severe symptoms and whatever, you know, seek immediate medical attention. Go to the emergency room. 
so that you know it gives that information and it's very 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 rare so I think I nudged her closer to getting it you got the essence you think of your family think of your friends you know just you know just you need to be around longer you need to be here you know they they want you here you know and and you want to be here so get the shot she said well I might maybe at the end of the summer and I said no 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 don't wait you know, the Delta variant may not have Minnesota on fire yet, but it will. I said, maybe Friday. Just go over to the Walmart or the Walgreens or wherever you go. Go on in and get your shot. It's just, just you can you just do it. And and if you get the if you get the two dose one, remember to go back and get the second. Don't forget to get the second because you need it. The first one isn't going to be enough. If you get to Johnson and Johnson, watch out for those symptoms because she's in that demographic. So maybe, hopefully, I've helped nudge her a little closer. I didn't call her names. I didn't badger her. But yeah. those of the, the vaccine resistant, I mean, some of the vaccine hesitant have to realize why we that, that are vaccinated are getting frustrated. So uh, I'm going to go to my next break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Uh, I'll return after this break. Listen to the whole thing, please. Just listen to the whole break. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network.
those other guys. The Finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. And uh, just to bring up one other thing that um, that my friend from high school had mentioned about uh, how politicized COVID's become. And he's right. It has. Uh, the thing is, and he would disagree with me on this because, well, uh, he's a Trump supporter. Um, nobody's perfect. Uh, <laughs> he knows I'm not. Um, he, you know, he talks. You know, the, you know, he knocks the left a little bit on things, and of course brings up. Uh, I don't know if he did, but other people, you know, they're also pointing to. And I gotta admit, this is a somewhat of a good point, but they do like to redirect your attention. And it's and I don't just mean the right likes to redirect your attention; the left does it too. But you know, this this when they're losing an argument, they like to redirect your attention. Well, what about all these illegals coming over the border? Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> but one person did make a good point. What if they're bringing COVID? What if they're bringing the Delta variant? Well, that's true. They could be spread super spreaders. They could be spreaders. Definitely. Yeah, but I say this about the politicization of it. And I talked about this before, and a lot of this stuff I've talked about this show. Long-time listeners of the show will have heard much of what I've already said. They will have heard it. it. But I think it bears repeating. It bears getting on. And hopefully I bring a little something new each time I talk about some of the same stuff I've talked about. But what I've seen... You know, as far as the politicization of it, it really is the right that's just ignoring that that is just that doesn't see when, when we're surprised when we hear someone like Steve Ducey going on against uh, one of his other co-hosts on the Fox and Friends. The co-host is saying, "Well, you know, you shouldn't take uh, medical advice from TV anchors." Okay, that he's got a point, but geez, you know, before when you like, what's his name? Kilgarren or Kilgarren? I don't know what the hell his guy, the guy's name is. Uh, months ago, apparently, you know, he was saying, well, you know, this hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, we should use that. You know, because Trump says we should use it. So, you know. And in, in other instances where he's giving medical advice. Ducey is saying, wear the masks. <laughs> wear the masks. Get the shot. Get the shot. <laughs> and I, you know, I commend Ducey for, you know, for being able to be willing to push back on his co-host and say, no, 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 get the shot. You know, and, and even Steve, uh, even Sean Hannity would say, you know, enough people have died. You know, he didn't come straight out and say, get the shot. He says, research the heck out of it. See, that's the thing. If you're researching the heck out of it, you could research the heck out of something, but if you go to some site by, you know, if you go to Joseph Mercola's website to get your healthcare information, you're getting the shittiest information you possibly can. 
because Joseph Mercola is one of the most dangerous people in the world in that he gives the shittiest, bullshittiest information about medicine that is possible to give. Because he wants you to buy his stuff. And I guess I just saw something about Mercola. He's taken down his website, and he's ta or he's taken down all these things that he's put up before. Yay, good. And he'll put up new stuff, but it'll only be up for like 48, 48 hours or whatever. So his bullshit will only last for so long before he takes it down and puts up a new batch of bullshit. He's one of the most, he's one of the worst in this, the COVID stuff. But, you know, so when you tell somebody to research the hell of it, you know, I'm, I was asked by my friend, where do you look? And I said, the CDC is still a good source of information. Go to the Mayo Clinic. Look at that. Listen to the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. There's another podcast called This Week in Virology, uh, which I haven't listened to, but I'm told that this is really good. So I'm just saying I should get into it. I, I haven't, but there's other shows that are, because uh, I'm told that the, it can get a little heavy in the science and can, can be a little he heavy going for the uh, lay person. It can be. But other podcasts you can listen to. Big picture science, uh, science versus. These are good science communication podcasts that don't just dwell on COVID and all that, but they help you learn how to look at science and how to understand it and how to, you know, to find good sources. I, I can't, I can't stress enough what a good podcast to listen to is Skept the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. It's run by a doctor, an actual doctor, who pays attention to this stuff, who blogs about it. He has a blog called Science-Based Medicine where other actual doctors post information on there. They're not bullshit guys. You can, you know, their stuff is researched. Their stuff is backed up by the information. They correct errors if they make them. They change as the science changes. They said the best information at this point was saying this was the way to go, but oh, we got new information saying maybe this is a better way to go. It's not flip-flopping. It's going to where the evidence leads. Listening to my show, I, you know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I just put a doctor online. So, you know, what can I say? Um, just, I, I really, for me, you know, just get the shot. Let's go here. <laughs> but... In the, pol in the political realm, the way you know the wrong, you know, who's the wrong side on this? Well, where, what are the states that went for Trump in the 2020 election? And how are they doing when it comes to the vaccine rollout, when it comes to, you know, the COVID cases? California is up there. California is up there. And it went for Biden. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. But the other states are, you know, California is like three number three in the top five you know it's like number one is is uh florida and then it's texas and it's california and i think it's louisiana and then georgia i think that's how it goes the top five georgia did go for trump uh, for uh, biden this time but by a squeaker so you know it's just it's it seems the gop it's for a bit there thought that, you know, uh, uh, having towing the line that gets our voters and viewers killed is what we're going to do. And then when they had that turnabout recently where the, you know, Fox News people like Steve Ducey, Sean Hannity a little bit, and then Governor DeSantis down there in Florida, a little bit, just a tiny little bit. It's, it seems as though maybe, maybe, 
maybe they're seeing, oh, you know what? You know, my voters or our viewers are going to die if we keep giving this information. Oh, and by the way, I'll try to find the quote, but I've heard Tucker Carlson say this. Again, the man with the most punchable voice in America. He said, why won't they tell us about the thousands of people who've died after getting the shot? I think that's the exact quote. I think it is. I have to see if I can find it. Now, note he says thousands of people who died after getting the shot. He doesn't say they died because they got the shot. He's doing a correlation causation thing there. And we know the correlation does not necessarily mean causation. Just because this, just because B happened after A doesn't mean that A caused B. I mean, I could say to Tucker, Tucker, how can you never tell us about the thousands of people who've died after watching your show? I mean, he's got millions of viewers. He's got to have, over a course of a year, thousands of them die. I mean, they're mostly old. That's you know, They skew kind of older, the Fox audience. I'm not saying his show killed them, but... Uh, Maybe it did because, well, he's trying to get them not to get vaccinated. So, you know, maybe. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> it just seems like it's the right, the, 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 the political right, are the ones that are wrong about COVID, vaccines, masks, and all that other stuff. They just seem like they've always been in the wrong. I didn't do a show last week. Um, on Wednesday, uh, before that, when I would have recorded that show, July 28th, I got a text from my friend Dave. And the text said, Norman is in a coma? In October of uh, 1996, uh, I took a job as a staff artist at a silk screening shop in Minneapolis. Shop's called Coldside Silk Screening. It's it's still it's still there. It's still going. Um, and I met a bunch of very <laughs> interesting people. Lots of punk rockers, a few goths, uh, some artsy fartsy types. <laughs> Just some, you know, some free spirits sorts, and just all kinds of people there. I was, I was pretty much the, the square <laughs> in that place. Even though I went to art school and I was pretty arty farty, but in that group, I was kind of the square. <laughs> uh, I met my friend Dave, the, the one that sent that text to me, and I met Norman Truman. Norman was a punk rocker. Norman was punk rock all the way through, right down to his bones. Uh, he was also one of the uh, most unforgettable people I've ever met, obviously. It's just, I mean, that's, that's a pretty obvious thing to say. If you've met Norman, you wouldn't forget him. He was very nice. He was sweet. He was just, he really was. He had, the, he had a little bit of the punk agitator in him, and when he was in that mood, he could do that. But for the most, I mean, he was liked. People liked him. He had lots and lots and lots of friends. I mean, lots of friends. Now, um, 
I hadn't seen Norman in quite a, while, a long time. I, uh, you know, just, you know, I stopped working at Coldside in, um, uh, in the fall of, of 2017. I'm not sure if Norman was there at the time. He might have still been there. My wife worked there with him, so she knew him too. Uh, so, you know, I moved on to a different job, uh, but we're Facebook friends, and every now and then, you know, we have a little chat with each other on something, just kind of catch each other on something. Privately, we'll chat or we'll comment on each other's posts here and there, but not, not too much, but just here and there. Um, in, uh, in June of this year, Norman pops up in my, you know, messenger. You know, it's a private message. And he says, uh, Jim, it's Norman. Hey, would you be willing to do a piece of art? Uh, we're putting together, he, he was putting together a big rock concert, you know, punk rock concert event uh, on uh, the birthday of uh, a fellow that, that uh, he and I had worked with and Amy worked with him too, uh, a fellow named Bob Murderer. I think I talked about him on the show here a little while ago. Uh, Bob Murderer, uh, some months back, a year back or something like that, was diagnosed with cancer, and, well, eventually the cancer killed him. And, and, and he died, I think, during the pandemic, so there wasn't really much that could be done. So his birthday's coming up this month. And Norman you know, got a hold of me in June and said, would you, you asked if I'd be willing to do some artwork that he could turn into a flyer and a little poster kind of thing to give out at this event. There's going to be a bunch of punk rock con uh, bands there. The band he was in, Norman was in, uh, UFO to Tofu, I think is what it's called. Um, they would be performing and a bunch of other bands would be performing. It would be a big celebration of Bob that they couldn't have before uh, because of the pandemic. And uh, I said, sure. So I got to work on something and I would send him a sketch and say, what do you think? Something like this? He said, oh, that looks great. And I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll keep on. And I send him the, the pencil drawing of it and say, here's, are we are you still good? He said, yeah, that looks great. You know, and, and uh, I sent him, uh, when I had the art finished, I, I, sent, I, I, I sent him a, a low-res image through the chat just to say, what do you think? And he said, oh, that's, he loved it. And, and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to email you the, the finished art, a higher, re, uh, a higher resolution file so that you can use that. And he, and he did. He got that. And then I sent him the artwork. Uh, and <clears throat> uh, he got the artwork on uh, July 22nd. And on July 23rd, he, he texted me. He said, Jim, I got the artwork yesterday. It's really awesome. Thanks so much. I'm going to frame it and give it to Michelle. Michelle was the longtime girlfriend of this other coworker of ours, friends of ours, friend of ours that died, uh, as a surprise. He wanted to give it to her as a surprise. I would love to keep it myself. I think she would be honored to have it after spending 25 years with him. I said, excellent. Uh, and then I said, when you frame it, make sure to it, it includes a mat. Uh, you don't want the artwork to touch the glass. And also tell Michelle to keep it from direct sunlight. The color will fade otherwise. And he said, will do. Thanks for the heads up. Uh, that was the last communication privately that Norman and I had. Uh, the next day, Norman posted a picture of him, uh, himself from about 10 years prior where he had gotten a tattoo around the crown of his head. Oh, Norman was into the tattoos. He got a tattoo around the crown of his head that said, Punk forever, forever punk. And I asked him, I said, 
are you still punk? And he says, once a punk, always a punk, although mostly I'm just Norman these days. And I said, well, then you're, you're holding, you know, you're holding true to your, to your tattoo still. And that was the, you know, and he thanked me again for the artwork that I did. And that was the last time that Norman and I communicated before Dave texted me and said, Norman is in a coma? On the uh, 27th of July, it was a Tuesday, he was found, Norman was found unresponsive at his home by his wife, Alicia, or Alicia, I'm not sure how he says, she says her name. Uh, he was taken to the hospital. He was put into a medically induced coma. There was swelling on his brain. He had sur he had seizures. And th through the grapevine, you know, like Dave heard from Tom, who heard from Rich, Richard, who heard from Mike, all these people are all cold side people, that Norman had tested positive for COVID while he was in the hospital, you know, in this coma. We don't know that COVID was what did it. Norman had asthma really bad. There were times... Uh, in the in the, when I worked with him, there was at least two or three times where he ended up in the emergency room because of his asthma. Uh, and so, you know, COVID and asthma don't mix. But there was also the last few weeks, Minnesota, the Twin Cities, and much of the much of uh, the uh, of the United States was affected by smoke from wildfires coming from Canada and uh, Western Canada and. Um, in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, even right up above us from Winnipeg, uh, wildfires were sending smoke around. And, you know, smoke and asthma don't mix well either. Um, they said that this Mike, that was the first little kernel of information about the COVID, was saying that he was having trouble breathing in the week leading up to when he was found unresponsive. It was Wednesday when the announcement went out that Norman was in a coma. And the outpouring on Facebook just came. It was amazing. Um, uh, people just, you know, putting up pictures and, and, and just, just pleading with Norman to pull through. Prayers and thoughts and vibrations and all that stuff were called for and all that. You know me, I'm an atheist. I'm not down with any of that. But it just was amazing to see how many people Norman had touched how many hearts he had touched in his life. It was amazing. And even though I hadn't been in touch with him for a long time, it's just this recent connection with him maybe made this even more painful for me. Uh, I mean, I, I, one of the amusing stories I got of him was that uh, I was working with him at Coldside. A whole group of us uh, bought uh, tickets to go see Bauhaus in concert. Bauhaus was a goth band from the 80s and they had reformed in the 90s at some point and and they were coming through Minneapolis and they, and, and so we got a bunch of us got to get you know got tickets so we could be in the same place at the theater uh, that they performed and um, you know I went with them and uh, while we were waiting for the show to start I spotted a couple of my friends from art school and I went over and I said, hey, you know, they looked at me and they said, Dim. You know, I got the nickname Dim in art school. Dim. You know, so I sat with him for a little bit. I said, hey, how's it going? And we were chatting back and forth and we hadn't seen each other in a while. It was really cool. And Norman walked up the aisle. Now, Norman, like I said, he was tattooed head to toe. He had tattoos on his face. He was tattooed and pierced all over. 
I, I, I assume he, uh, he was pierced all over. I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I think he was pierced in the private areas. But you know, he was tattooed all over. He had tattoos on his face. And my my friend Lou, that I went to art school with, just leans over to Troy, my other art school friend, and says, "Look at that dude! He's got tattoos on his face." And I look over, and it's Norman. I said, "Oh yeah, that's Norman. I work with him. I'm with him." <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm over sitting with him. Really? And I said, yeah, yeah. He's a really nice guy. He's really cool. He's a real punk, you know. But you know, punk rocker kind of guy. But he's, yeah. So when that word went out, it was days of, uh, you know, trying to find information about what's going on. Uh, we were told by uh, the main communicator of what was going on with Norman was his brother Matt. And then he gave us, you know, he was having seizures because of the swelling on the brain. Um, so we don't know if he tested positive for COVID. We, we, that hasn't been confirmed by anybody on the inside. We don't know. We don't know if that's what happened. I don't know if Norman got vaccinated. I don't know. And it just was, well, uh, a waiting game at some point. And on Wednesday... Uh, August 4th, he died. Norman was 54. I didn't do the show because I just, you know, it, he hadn't died yet, but I just wasn't, I wasn't in the mind to be ready to do a show. Please. I mean, I don't know if he got vaccinated, if, if it was COVID or not, but Please, get vaccinated. It, do it for your friends. Do it for your family. Just do it for those people that whose lives you've touched. Get vaccinated. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Let's see another show. Um, you've been listening to... Uh, uh, Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. All the bumper music was like punk stuff that Norman would like. And that's why I did, wanted you to listen to him. Um, anyway, sleep with the lights off, and I'll see you next week. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell.